Welcome to Take Your Lead Podcast with Mzwandele Makakula, a podcast that seeks to empower you to take charge over your personal growth, development, as well as your emotional well-being. I remember my first day as a teacher walking into a classroom full of learners. One of the most traumatic experiences I had. I remember walking into that class full of energy, full of noise, and a lot of, it was a grade nine class. So you can just imagine, peak of adolescence, a lot of energy, a lot of opinions. And here I am, very young, fairly new to the profession, walking into this class. Good morning, class. And as you can imagine, a lot of responses, a lot of facial expressions, a lot of laughter, a lot of language that they only could understand. Uh, I was thrown into the deep end, truth be told, and I had to either sink or swim. Unfortunately, it had to be the former. Uh, I'm sad to say this because I'm one person who believes in swimming and making the most of every moment, turning lemons into lemonade. But that day, there was nothing sweet about that experience. It was so horrible, I couldn't wait to get home. I remember getting home, uh, telling my mother, I don't think I'm cut up for this. I don't think I'm actually meant to even be a teacher. I grew up in a family where my parents, both of them were teachers uh, for years, and they thought I possibly inherited being a teacher. Uh, But I had to decide, am I going to stop here or am I going to own this? and grow and learn and find myself within the teaching profession. In today's episode, I'm so excited as I'll be sharing a few lessons that I learned as a teacher. I'll be sharing on this podcast episode as to how you can influence anyone outside the classroom, as to how teaching is beyond the walls of a class and how it's modeling and how much it also helped me to bring structure and to understand that each and every student is unique. I'd like to start off this podcast episode with an amazing quote from Harry Wong, who says, In an effective classroom, students should not only know what they are doing, they should also know why and how. I love that so much because I think it's one of the things that pushed me to want to be a better teacher. So that in as much as I'm teaching and educating the students, but they also need to know the why they are learning what they are learning and how it will apply in their future. Henry B. Adams speaks of how a teacher affects eternity. He or she can never tell where his influence stops. Uh, one of the most important and valuable professions I believe we have is the teaching profession. Very honorable because I believe it's one of those professions which influences and impacts society. Truth be told, learners spend more time at school sometimes than at home. They spend more time with their educators 
peers at school more than they do sometimes with their siblings and family. And that to me caused me to want to understand that it's beyond just teaching English language and teaching life orientation, but there is more that the learner needs to get when they've come into my environment. Research educational psychologists have done which measures maturation in children by looking at four categories. And it's very interesting, especially with the generation that we have now. And when they look at these four aspects of how they mature, they looked at their cognitive ability, their biological ability, emotional ability, and as well as how they adapt socially. It was proven that cognitively, kids these days are advanced and no more at a younger age. You can just prove it. Just find a young child, give them a cell phone, a smartphone. They will navigate it. Chances even better than you because they advance cognitively quicker and faster. Biologically as well, today's kids are physically maturing quicker. Uh, it's so ironic that my younger brother is taller than me. Uh, it shows as to how they mature quicker. When you meet them, you'd even be shocked at some of them when they tell you their age because physically they mature, uh, biologically they mature quicker. Emotionally though, and this is the important part which I would like us to also double-click on this episode. Emotionally, they are behind. Emotionally, they emotionally are not as strong as previous generations. They are more fragile emotionally. They are not as good at handling their emotions. Uh, when it comes to emotions, they are not as mature as they are cognitively and biologically. Another important uh, discovery from the educational psychologists is that socially as well, they are behind. They are less able to navigate relationships. And this, as a point of entry for me as a teacher, became something that I intentionally told myself I want to focus on. How can I help the learner to mature socially as well as emotionally? And one of the things, maybe to dive into the lessons that I learned as a teacher, maybe a bit of background as well. I dived into the teaching profession as my first job, quote-unquote. And one of the things that it helped me with, the first lesson, was it brought discipline and structure. Because I came into a world where you'd have to submit tasks, you'd have to submit assignments, you'd have to submit uh, lesson plans, you'd have to submit assignments, you would have to ensure that when you work with the learners, everything that you do is together. It brought a lot of asking myself, Guti, but how do I now come into this jungle where I need to wake up in the morning at a certain time, clock in at work, and after clocking in at work, I need to make sure that I'm prepared for the class. And that brought a lot of structure and discipline for me because I came into a world where I had to wake up at a certain time. There was a staff briefing in the morning. You'd be told what needs to happen in the day. You'd have to prepare for that. You had to go into your class. Your whole day is set up. You've got period one, period two, period three, period four, period five. You've got a break, which was about 30 minutes. You've got the rest of the other periods. One of the interesting things as well is that you've got quite a lot of learning coming in and you need to somehow begin to learn all their names which was very interesting for me I was like how can I know all these learners and funny enough initially it felt like an impossible mission but after some time 
uh, spending time with the learners, I was able to literally know them all by name and surname. And, and, and it was so beautiful for me because it taught me discipline. It taught me how I need to structure and come into the classroom prepared. The second lesson I learned is how, as a teacher, classroom management was very important. What do I mean by that? When learners would come into the class, I had to ensure that I'm prepared to accommodate them within the class. And I had to begin to ask myself, have I prepared? Do I know what I'm teaching this, this class? Because you'd find that sometimes you, another class is ahead, another class is behind. And it can't be an, a blanket approach. You need to ensure that the classroom is prepared. Do I have my chalk ready? Do I have my textbook ready? Do I have my exercises ready? What do I want to achieve at the end of the class? What do I want the learners to know at the end of the session or the lesson? And I had to ensure as well in terms of the cleanliness of the class. Is it conducive for learning? And it might sound like a daunting task, but within the leadership space, it helped a lot because I actually began to see that when learners walk into a classroom that's prepared for them, automatically, cognitively, they are ready to grasp and to learn. But if they walk into a chaotic environment, automatically they are ill-disciplined. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of bickering. This one wants to talk to that one. But when they come into an environment where there's structure, part of how we maintained this and established this, I would ensure that before they come into the classroom, they would line up outside. It was first the girls and then the boys. They would come into the class, stand behind their chair. After standing behind their chair, I would cue them in. You may take your seats. After taking your seats, please take out your textbooks. Your books are open on page. And having those cues and those clues, it helped to establish classroom management. Let me maybe dive into more softer, more leadership lessons that I learned being a teacher. So firstly, I spoke about how I learned discipline. Secondly, I learned how to manage the classroom. And these are lessons that are beyond the classroom, but these are lessons that helped me be the leader that I'm aspiring to become. Part of what I do is communication, which comes to the third lesson that I learned as a teacher, how to communicate. Because it's something else to come into a classroom and just teach and feed the learners information. I began to understand that for you to effectively communicate, you need to understand that each and every learner is unique. Each and every learner has different learning styles. What do I mean by that? The difference between management and leadership speaks of how management treats everyone the same. When you're a manager, you just manage everyone the same. But when you become a leader, you begin to understand that learners or the people that you lead might grasp and process information differently at different levels. And this is where you need to be able to ask yourself, how can I now begin to communicate this piece of information to one who is very smart, to one who is smart but is not as fast at grasping concepts, new concepts as a different or the other learner? And that's where one had to begin to ask themselves, how can I become a better communicator? Part of how I did this was to spend time with teachers who had been doing this for a while. I went into their classrooms, began to observe how do they connect so effortlessly with all the learners. And one of the things I learned and observed there is how they would take time to understand each and every learner. The fourth lesson that I learned is that of understanding that social learning, I think it's Bandura who actually came up with the social learning 
concept. He's known for it, and he's quite different from the other learning uh, theorists who look at learning as a direct result of conditioning, reinforcement, and punishment. Bandura, on the other hand, asserts that most human behavior is learned through observation, imitation, and modeling. And I love this theory because what he does within this theory is that he begins to move learning towards the social part. And this is part of what I learned as a teacher, that beyond what you say, the learners look at what you do. Part of what we would always say as an adage is that monkey see, monkey do. And that's where I actually began to see the role of character as a teacher or as a person who is communicating something. You need to model the behavior that you want to be replicated amongst your learners. If you want them to be prepared for your class, prepare yourself. If you want them to uh, prioritize their work, prioritize your work. If you want them to be on time, ensure that you're always on time for the classes. You're not late after break. Small things like that help me to understand that it's beyond what I say, but it's what I do as an educator. The second last lesson that I learned is how education is a three-legged pot. It's beyond what we do in the classroom, but there are three other, three components that make education effective and uh, successful. I think it was Nelson Mandela who spoke of how education is a powerful weapon that we can use to change the world. And this is effective if all these three legs play their role. The first role is that of the child, because we can't educate uh, the parent without the child. So the child is a key component within the triangle of education. The second leg is that of the family and the home structure. The third leg is that of the school environment. And these are very important because when the parent is involved in the education of the child, it makes it easier for the teacher at school to begin to emphasize certain things so that when they teach something, the parent at home takes their responsibility to ask and check, what did you learn today? And they begin to even have a relationship with the educator. How can I help the child? What are they struggling with? What do you think I need to focus on? What are some of the behaviors that you're observing which are unbecoming? What are some of the things that you think I should uh, be aware of? And, and, and when the parent or the home environment is conducive for learning, it makes the learning process more effective. And this is true because even the environment at home is very important as to whether the child is able to comprehend, to learn, to grow, to be able to have time to study, to grow in what they are learning. It's key for the home environment to be conducive and to play their role. The third role is school. This is where most of the learning takes place in the classroom, where we've got different stakeholders. We've got the SGP, we've got the SMT, we've got the peers that they interact with. And this is also very important, but over and above that, we need the learner to also take an active role in wanting to become better. The learner needs to take an active role in wanting to become better. In conclusion, the last lesson that I learned is that of how there's always a layer or another level of success for those who are willing to push through to the next level. I remember how I taught for like four or five years within the classroom, but when I was teaching, I actually began to see there's more that can be done. 
Part of what I started off the episode with is that of the emotional and social learning gap. And I asked myself, what can I do to begin to bridge this gap? Because in as much as I would teach the English life orientation, but I felt that I could do more in terms of reaching the emotional and helping the learner find themselves, deal with the complexities of life, which is part of what I actually observed, that sometimes it's not that it's the intellect, but it's more how they deal with certain things at home and they don't have someone or something that speaks to that part. And that's when I branched out into becoming a school counselor. That's where I did the psychology, where I studied and branched out into mentorship and coaching. And I did this while being at school, observing that there's more that I can do. I began to knock on that door in the school where I taught. We'd never had that office. And I began to create that room where I would be able to be there for the learners on a full-time space, be able to walk the journey of life with them, help them deal with what they're experiencing at home, things like self-harm, suicide, uh, feelings of inadequacy, rape, abuse, and the list is endless. If I were to share some of the things that teenagers experience, it's scary. Um, but over and above that, they need someone who will be a sounding board, someone who will be there for them, someone who will tell them, you are bigger than this. You must not only uh, take this or perceive this as a victim, but you can be a victor. You can rise above the odds. You can uh, beat peer pressure. You can deal with uh, inferiority. You can grow and develop your self-concept, which leads us to part of what we do even today, which is changing the world one individual at a time. I'm very passionate about helping young people to find themselves. Part of the initiatives that we do, we've got amazing programs. Take Your Lead program is one of them. You can go on our website to learn more about them. Uh, we'll leave the link on the bio and the description for you to know more. And I'm saying this to bring in my plane for landing that there's really so much that we can do. There is really so much that we can do to add value to learners. There's really so much that we can do to add value to this amazing generation that is the future. And my question to you is, what are you doing today to prepare this young people or these teenagers for the future ahead of them? As we bring in the plane for landing, my question to you is, what can you do now as a leader to add value to Gen Z? What can you do to play a role within the education cycle? Is it finding a child, mentoring them, bringing them under your shoulder, being a sounding board, or, or availing yourself to a local school to say, if you need help, I've got this expertise or this experience or these skills, how can I offer them to the school? Is it you upscaling your skills as a teacher so that it's beyond just the notes and the subject matter, but you connecting with each and every learner uniquely, helping them to unpack their greatest potential? I want to leave you with that you can make a positive difference. Start where you are with what you have. It might be your child, it might be your sibling, it might be a local school, it might be a local library. I strongly believe that there's a lot that we can do collectively. 
Be reminded to download the episode notes on our website, www.mzwandilemakakula.com. We'll leave the link as well on the description. You can just download them. They will help you with application so that you can take this content and be able to replicate it in your profession and what you do. Till we meet again on, next, on the next episode, let's continue to change the world one individual at a time. Well, thank you for joining us on Take Your Lead Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get new episodes delivered directly to your device as soon as we release the new episode. And for show notes on today's episode and on previous episodes, just go to www.mzwandilemakakula.com. And if you are a fan of the show, we would love it if you'd give us a review and help us spread the word. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Take Your Lead Podcast.